Yo, everybody, welcome back to the Satsung Podcast. Um, we took a week off, uh, given the given the circumstances and the uh, yeah, the climate in our country, if you will. Uh, we felt the need to to hit the pause button, um, like most artists were doing, so could, everyone could keep their concentration and focus on uh, the state of affairs in the country, rather than. Uh, you know, a new podcast or an album dropping and whatnot. So we wanted to stand in solidarity with everybody in that uh, and hit the pause button. Um, you know, we also called an audible on what, you know, what was going to be the next podcast uh, was my brother Brian Barbarina and and, uh, and he will be the, the episode with him will get released soon. But we called an audible uh, because uh, a, a friend of mine that I deeply, deeply respect that I have a lot in common with. Um, and who I really just wanted to hear speak on the subject, especially after um, talking to him on the phone for a little bit last week. I just, I cut the conversation short because I knew I wanted to have him on the podcast. And that's big Samir from The Reminders. Um, the overwhelming thing with Samir is his innate ability to relate to anybody and everybody. Um, and you know, he, he tells this story of, of when he went and checked out the protest, who he ended up actually kicking it with and, and having conversations with. And it, to me, speaks volumes about who he is um, and, and, and who his family is. Um, and I cannot wait to have his wife, Asia Black, on the podcast. But um, if you don't know who the reminders are, you should be listening to them. Um, so go check that out. And uh, man, I could say a million things, but I'm just going to shut up and let you listen to the podcast. Uh, again, this is Big Samir from The Reminders. Let's go. All right, Samir, welcome to the Satsung Podcast, bro. How you doing? Thanks. Thank you, bro. Thanks for having me. I'm feeling great, man. I can't complain. Good, good. Yeah, me too, dude. I just, uh, I, we closed out an online retreat this evening, and I had okay. like just enough time to hit the gym, and I just finally, front to back, listened to that new Run the Jewels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whew. It's funny. Uh, did you see that I was listening to it yesterday? Uh-uh. Yeah, I listened to it. I listened to it front to back yesterday. Um, I've actually been working out in the mornings because I have a little dog. And um, so now he's conditioned to jog with me every morning. <laughs> I love so it. Even, even if I'm not, if I don't feel like it, he's up for it. So it's like no excuse. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I listened to the first like four tracks um, when it, the day it dropped. Um, but I just didn't have the time to listen to it all the way through. Man, those two were something. Man something yeah and they're just both each i feel like each of their verse on any given track it's just like they they just like keep outdoing each other and then it goes on yeah. to the next song and they keep doing it man yeah. i love i love that relationship between those two um well man first off why don't you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself um so everyone has an idea who we're chatting with yeah for sure i'm big samir one half of the musical group the reminders uh, it's me and my wife, Asia Black. I'm originally from Belgium. I was born in Belgium, raised in the Congo. I moved to the States in 1995. And uh, French is my first language. I learned English as a teenager. Uh, I had to adjust, you know, I moved around a lot as a kid. So I had to adjust to new environments every single time. Uh, dealt with a, I dealt with a fair amount of I, w I guess I would call it racism from everywhere. You know, from the time I was a young kid, being in Africa, I was, I was the only light-skinned kid in my class because everyone was dark-skinned. So I, I always felt like I never fit in there. 
then living in Belgium, I always felt like the African kid who didn't fit in there. And then I came to the States and you already know the vibe here. I definitely, you know, definitely don't fit, definitely don't fit in, especially the uh, first place I moved to was San Antonio, Texas. Um. So, so, yeah. So that was a trip. And then uh, my, my mother remarried. My stepfather was in the Air Force. That's how I landed in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Yeah, that's like the epicenter for military bases. In Man, Colorado. we got we got four. Yeah, we got four military bases here in Colorado Springs. We got Air Force, Army. Um, we got the Air Force Academy, and then we got you know what used to be Cheyenne Mountain uh, NORAD. I can actually see it from my window. Wow. Yeah. Man, I one thing I've been thinking on a lot, not just thinking on, like deeply, deeply meditating on, and then a lot of people are asking me. And I, you know, because I'm an artist, which I think when we're artists, we're automatically, uh, you know, assume readers of different communities, yeah, yeah. the communities that we're in. So people ask me a lot um, about like what they can do to help in the current situation. And the big thing that I keep coming back to, right, is like ed- education leads to empathy. So like yeah. from from your perspective, it's like, I'm curious about how do we make people understand because not everyone is from Belgium raised in the Congo. Right. Right. You just have, you have so much different experience, not only as a black man, but as a Muslim, as an immigrant. Yep. Like how do people, you know, how do we, how do we make people try to understand? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think first things first is going to be that awareness. You know what I mean? You got to be willing to seek that knowledge Um, Because a lot of people want shortcuts too, you know, you got to take the time and actually go out of your way and say, you know what, let me learn about a new, a new way of life, a new spiritual, spiritual belief, a new way of uh, uh, a new religion. You know what I mean? Like, let me go ahead and research some books, read some books. Let me go and engage with the people that we're talking about. You know what I mean? Let me um, even watch movies, watch documentaries. You know what I mean? Like, don't just... Because people nowadays, man, people take shortcuts, go to YouTube, you take a five to 10 minute quick clip and you don't, anybody can upload stuff to YouTube. You know what I mean? You got to actually go to the source. And then, and um, even beyond this, beyond just looking it up, I think engaging with the people is going to be a a big, big thing. That, That makes a big difference. And I always tell people, I hear stories sometimes of, oh, don't go to this place because it's like this, it's like that. Or don't hang out with these people because it's like this, it's like that when really everybody gets a, a different experience, you know what I mean? And, and um, I know we can probably get straight into it. Um, the other day we were engaging, going back and forth about uh, a certain groups that go into protest in their positions. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I, maybe we could take, take our time and lead to that. We can go <laughs> straight into that. Let's go, let's go straight you know, into I, it because – so, cause here's the thing, man, I think a lot of people, uh, especially w- with protests and everything that's going on right now is there's kind of this false facade of what allyship looks like. And, and on this retreats, right. someone just said, you know, uh, one of the questions today for me was how can we help black people? I said, ask black people how you can help them. That's it. That's it. And, uh, and I and, know, and it's, and it's tricky. Go ahead. No, go ahead. It's tricky because I feel like at this time, there, there's definitely, there's, everybody always needs help, right? Um, but at this time, more than ever, I feel like there are, a, there's a huge 
awareness of everything that's going on. And for a lot of people, they're brand new to this whole concept. A lot of people are brand new to the concept of police brutality. A lot of people are brand new to the concept of a protest. Like we have people yeah. our age and younger, our age and older who have never been to a protest. You know what I mean? I've been to protests since 9-11, since, you know what I mean? Yep. That era, since, since Amadou Diallo uh, was murdered by the police. And this is, this is long ago. You yes. know what I mean? And these are things that have been going on since the Black Panther Party, since even before that. This, this has been going on for decades from uh, Martin Luther King. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, the, and the list goes on. But for so many people, they just were not paying attention. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and what's amazing to me in the past couple of weeks, because right now I feel like we're in a place where we're dealing with so much. We're still not over coronavirus right now. Yeah. And I think a lot of people forget that because they're so used to living in this time where, okay, I'm done with this next week, yep. on to something else. Next <laughs> yep. week, on to something else. It's almost like a lot of people right now are forgetting that there's still a pandemic going on. So slow down. Yeah. You know what I mean? I understand you want to jump the gun and you want to do a lot of, a, a, a lot of, a lot of things, but let's also focus on all of the different emotions that we're processing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and, know. Um, one thing that's really kind of that's been tough for me is like not being like well where the fuck y'all been like dude exactly. i remember <laughs> well i remember exactly. when, when i started making when i started sad song the first group of songs i wrote there's a song called no justice no peace where i like actually yep. named the people yep. that were killed by the police that year and i remember yep. like i love seeing everyone making signs and i'm glad everyone's on the team now right. But it was like, I it's, remember you guys telling me to calm the fuck down seven years ago. Right. And, <laughs> and right. now here and, we and, are. And, and even, even, you know, uh, um, I know you, you toured with um, Michael Franti and Spearhead. Yes. And uh, um, I made it a point. I used to take my mom to every time he came to Colorado, I would take him to, to I would take her to his shows. And yeah. at the end, he would make it a point, like, to come and hug us and all of that. And, you know, that's what, that's what he's been about. That's what he's been talking about. You know what I mean? And yep. so it's interesting because in the past couple of weeks, when, when uh, um, Ahmaud Aubrey got murdered, which that was just horrible, mm -hmm. I, I went back to a song that Asia and I and our friends Rebel Diaz wrote after the Ferguson Rebellion. Mm -hmm. And after listening to the song again, it pretty much described the whole situation that was going on with Amar Aubrey, just getting murdered with no, no remorse, no nothing. You know what I mean? And so rewind three, four years ago when we released the song, nobody cared. Nobody paid attention. Nobody cared. I play the song again now and everybody's like, oh my God. You know what I mean? Yep. And same thing. Even, 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 um, you know, this week, I, I, I replayed this freestyle that I did over um, Lauren Hill. And, and, yeah, and, uh, I shared that. Nah. God damn. And, bro, I, I, released, I, I released that last summer, right? Mm -hmm. But I actually wrote it, like, two summers ago. Mm -hmm. At the time, nobody cared, right? Yep. It, but now, it, it's finally sinking in. It's finally making sense. It's like, oh, my God, yeah, you're talking about this. Like, no, we've been talking as artists, as activists. As, as people who are aware and conscious of it, 
we've been talking about this. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think that's, that's the tough part in when people come around and they're like, yo, you know, I'm finally here. Like, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what are we going to do? Like, we don't have the answers. You know what I mean? We don't have the answers. And it's interesting because a lot of my friends who have been really active in protests for years after year, I was just on the phone with um, my brothers from Rebel Diaz yesterday. And I feel like we're all in a place where we're just really watching what's going on because I feel like the energy is different this time around. Mm. It, there's, so, there's so much focus on it that it's almost like sometimes you got to slow down and really assess what's going on to understand what the next move has to be. Yeah, I think, so I, I, I think that's the move right now too, bro, is because, yeah. you know, it's different. Like, like I was sending you pictures the other day when we were in Bozeman. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was a whole different kind of, um, a, f- a couple of my observations. One, it was like 6,000 people. Wow. Yeah, man, in Montana. And huge, yeah. the, the vibe was beautiful. It was families. It was yeah. uh, lots of young people, obviously, but also lots of old people, man. Lots of old white folks. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it started at this park and then it went down Main Street in Bozeman. And, and something that I noticed that was really interesting to me was, A, there was organizers walking around handing out water, but also just being like, hey, guys, if you see any counter-presters, don't antagonize them. Like, don't start shit. Like, um, which I was like, that's what's up. Um, But two, the other thing that I noticed that me and my wife keep talking about that was so wild is uh, when we first turned onto Main Street, we walked by a group of, I think, six six folks that had Trump shirts and open carry. You know, they had their big rifles and shit. and 6,000 people walked by him and I, we were standing not far from him and no one even gave him a look really. Yeah. Yeah. No one got in their face. No one was aggressive. Yeah. Um, but all of the Trump supporter folks that were like driving down the street were like flipping people off with the most, yeah. like so much anger in their eyes, dude. Yeah. It wasn't like, I don't agree with what you're doing right now. It was, I fucking hate it's, you. It's crazy, man. And, 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 you know, what's interesting is, you know, since since he got in office, that's been the energy. The energy has been really turned up and it's really bringing that out of people as well. You know what I mean? People are really charged up, open carry. Like I see it. I see it all the time. And, you know, especially in places like like Colorado, there's yep. open carry. So you see that all the time. Tell you the truth. I haven't been to the protests in Denver this time around. Because yeah. I see how they turn out. It turned. It turned. It, it got crazy a couple of times. And the past, the past week, it's been pretty peaceful. Uh, but we live in Colorado Springs, so a friend of mine last Saturday he called me. He said, "Hey, do you want to go to the protest tomorrow? Earlier on, you know, we have families now. We, we're fathers yeah. now, so it's different. Like, you know, yep. I, I see my little buddies who are 22. They're in college. They have nothing to lose. They're. I see them on the front lines shouting stuff, and I said, you know what? That's beautiful. Keep that energy, but be safe." Yep. Be careful when you're out there. Like you got, I understand like you guys are charged up. You listen to, you listen to all this protest music and you fire it up, but keep that energy. That's fine. But be very cautious. And I say that because there's no guidance and there's no organization there. No. You know what I mean? They're just out there. Everybody's just going every direction, taking pictures and videos for the gram and, you know, not really being vigilant about what's going on. And so, um, so my buddy said, hey, do you want to go to the protest on Sunday? 
And I said, all right, cool. You know, uh, what's the move? You know, who all's going? Who all is going? How are we? How are we making this move? And he ended up going before I got there. So Asian and I stopped by, and just to peep the scene and see what's going on. And when we got there, we kept a safe distance, man. I, I really didn't want to get it in a mix too much. And 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 when things like that come around, I try not to. You know, sometimes as artists, we also have to face the fact that people start to make things about you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I remember we went to a, a, a rally two years ago and we had the kids with us and it, and then we got into a disagreement with a certain group that was there and it, and it, it was in the newspaper. It became all oh, the reminders are, are, you know, facing this group because they were being disrespectful to elders. It became this whole thing. Well, and I really don't wanna... Let's go into it, man. Who was the, who was the group that was being it was, disrespectful? It was, it was, and at the time, <laughs> I had never heard of Antifa. I had mm-hmm. never heard of them. I didn't know what they were about. But this particular group here, um, they were being very disrespectful to the elders who were just speaking. And it was just a peaceful protest. And, and they were just charged up. And they just had too much energy. And, 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 and they just were trying to get riled up. And, and we were like, listen, you do what you do. But you can't say, fuck you, bitch, to an older person who was trying to speak, you know what I mean? Like there's a certain level of respect that we have to get here. And so we went up to them and we said, hey, no, we don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, and, and our kids, you know, our kids never seen anything like that before. Never seen people with masks on and, you know, dressed all crazy and riled up. And I was like, listen, nothing's gonna happen. You know what I mean? We're safe, we're fine. And, and so we went and we spoke to them and they try to get, they try to get bucking wild. It's like, no, we don't fear you. We don't have any fear. We don't. We're not afraid of you, but we're also not going to let you just talk to people like that. You know what I mean? And so then later on, we found out, oh, Antifa, I didn't even know it was a thing. I didn't know what it was. And mm-hmm. so then we found out about, you know, the group and what they stand for. And like, like you mentioned, like you, you were introduced to them in a different way, you know, earlier on in, in your life. And so with all that in mind, we're like, okay, well, when we go to this protest, Let's just keep our distance. Let's just kind of keep the scene. And when we first, as soon as we got there, there was this young kid, man, young military kid, looks like in his early 20s, white, white male, huge American flag, AR on his back, nine millimeter on his hip. And so, you know, we're friendly people. So as we walk, we walk by, we're like, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, hey, what's going on? I've been here for two days, la, la, la. And then he starts telling us that he's in the military, that he's just there to, pro- to protect the protesters. He's like, if anything happens to them, I'm, that's why I'm here. Even if the police get a little too wild, I'd rather get in between them and trying to trying to protect them and trying to you know mediate and figure everything out. I was like, cool. So then, you know, we were there for about 30, 40 minutes. And as we were there, he kept staying close to us and telling us a little more about himself, where he came from. And he was a super cool kid. But the fact that he had the AR and he had the American flag, <laughs> people were like, fuck you racist and the yeah, yeah, whole time yeah. and the whole time he's like no that's not it like i'm not and you know people were calling them cops they were calling them all kinds of stuff and he was there by himself and i thought that was just hilarious you know the 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 irony of it you know what i mean I, I was like at the same time bro you have to see what it looks like to a lot of these people you know it it looks like something that they're used to seeing on the opposite side you know yeah that's the that's the kind of the uh, you know, that's my big fear with gang, uh, with gang mentality, man, is, um, you know, that sort of thing that you did is out of the question. The, the, yeah. the, I'm, let's go up and just talk to this cat and see what he's yeah. actually about. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so everyone's making these snap judgments. And, um, you know, I revert back to this story all of the time to kind of sum up my mentality. There's a kid in, I believe it was on the Florida State campus years ago, standing atop a parking garage, threatening to jump, and a crowd of people forms below. Someone starts chanting jump. Before you know it, the whole crowd is chanting jump. The kid jumps. And then afterwards, the cops are like, why the fuck were y'all yelling jump? And they're yeah. like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Don't have an answer. They're like, because everyone was yelling jump. So it's like, yeah. like you're saying, man, it's uh, the things that are really inspiring that I'm seeing in the protests is like, if you look back uh, at the Rodney King riots, um, you know, when white folks were rolling through Watts, they yeah. were getting pulled out of their cars. You know, it was man, like full yeah. anger, crazy. Yeah. And what we're seeing now is, the opposite of that dude it's really the first time since the 60s that we've seen black white asian natives all together it's like it's us versus this bullshit um yeah and it's everywhere everywhere man all the uh, germany i just saw a picture from germany today yeah so and it's that's what's beautiful to me man that's what really gets me choked up um and 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 we're talking about history and education so i i always man have just been in love with uh studying the civil rights movement and and the the unsung heroes of that movement and it's so funny when i hear people recently going it's just so crazy right now this is unprecedented we've never seen anything like this i'm like have y'all read? Yeah, uh, actually. People don't read, man. People don't read. Yeah, no, it's like actually, uh, you know, uh, from 1967 into the early 70s, we had exactly this, and then on top of that, we also had the Vietnam War, and yeah. Richard Nixon was fucking president. So it's like it was the almost the exact same concoction. Yeah. You know, and now and we just have social media. You know, that's what I'm saying. The difference is that was not documented. You know what I mean? I mean. You know, it's documented to some degree, but it wasn't like, okay, here, the whole world gets to see this. Yeah. The whole world gets to see how unfair this is, how unjust this is. You know, now you don't have a choice but to face that reality. And everybody is seeing it. You know, regardless of how you feel about it, like, you're going to see it. You're going to see that reality. Yeah, it's interesting, the, you know, to go back to the, just the anger that I saw in some of those counter protesters, I just... I don't understand what's getting lost in translation. Like, and I, and all I can come to, you know, my wife is a clinical therapist, you know, so I'll, the thing that I keep coming back to is like, man, it isn't even about this. You just got a bunch of interpersonal shit and this yeah. like Trumpian aggression is how you've, this is your outlet. You know, this is how yeah. you have found to like leak out your hurt against the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, some history. One thing that uh, a book that two books that absolutely changed my life, and I know they touched you as well, was uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Yep. Um, and Revolutionary Suicide. You're actually the only person I've met that's actually read that book. Um, yeah, he repeat. Yep. And again, you know, people think this is like unprecedented. And one thing that you're saying is the protests used to, when we're talking about kind of lack of organization and everyone's out there kind of shooting from the hip. Yeah. Uh, that's not really how the Panthers did things. They had a complete- not at all. And you know that's that's interesting because you said I'm one, I'm one of the only uh, other person that that read that book that you know. That's and to me, I thought I thought it was really impressive when you posted that book in particular, 
because most of my most of my partners, most of my comrades, like we've all read both of those books. And, you know, as black men, it's almost like something that we do. You know what I mean? It's just a part of rites of passage. And for me in particular, you know, I grew up in a household where my mom had pictures of Malcolm X, um, Marcus Garvey, Elijah Muhammad, like Martin Luther King, all these guys. Like I was familiar enough with those guys. And by the time I, I was fresh out of high school, you know, I was, I was an artist at the already since then you know i never i never uh went to college or anything i've just been making music since but at that time i was on the quest for knowledge so that's when i picked up a lot of these books that's when i read the autobiography of malcolm x and then watched the movie again just to get that visual you know which spike lee is incredible and mm-hmm. denzel washington became malcolm x for you know for those three hours and um Huey P was another one. And so, you know, I'm in a bookstore and I came across that book and I had to pick it up. And the level of organization that they had is is unmatched, is unmatched. And that's why they were so feared because they were so knowledgeable of their rights, of their their history, of everything. They knew exactly how to move. And and even, you know, the the breakfast program, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like every single thing they did, I, I fell in love with the whole concept. Um, and, and, you know, I, I push that to anybody, to anybody I come into contact with. I'm like, study, study these figures, man. Study these people that came before, especially in, in, again, like the question you asked earlier, um, or that, that people are asking you is, you know, how can we help? What can we do? All you have to do is study these people, study Huey P. Newton, study the, the, the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, study Malcolm X, all of them, not just the early days and, and deem him a, a, a racist and a criminal or, or don't, you know, or the last days when he was Sunni Muslim and you no, know, you have to know, understand the, the full story, the, the, all the aspects of the man, you know what I mean? And I named my son after him. Yeah, man. I, that's beautiful. And I yeah. dude, and that's the thing, like you're saying is the whole story. I think what makes Malcolm so relatable is that you can listen to him and you, I just feel like his story is the ultimate hero's journey for truth, right? He starts off yeah. as a criminal. Yep. Um, and then while doing time for crime, he finds God. Yep. Which is common. Yeah. And then comes out and gives himself full devotion, blind, yep. blind devotion. Yeah. Almost just Probably. like these people can do no wrong and I'm on the squad yeah. and this is what we're doing. Yep. And then yep. To me, the most beautiful part of the story was when he found truth, unlike some of the people in his company, he did not ignore it or hide it. He said, well, this, I have to, I have to be on the side of truth and God, not, not being pious. So he went his own way, risked his own life. Um, and, And most people don't know that because the clips that they see of Malcolm X are, you know, at the height of his most militant time. Um, you know, yeah. when he's speaking directly against white people and, um, right, right, and, right. and a lot of people don't see the clips of post Mecca Malcolm when yeah. he's saying like, no, man, we all got to work together because this is the, yeah. hey. and if you want to help hop on. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, 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 and that, that's to me, that's or to a lot of people. That's when he was the most dangerous when he came back with yep. that message, because that message is such a bigger, bigger message that, than anything. You know what I mean? Like, once you start moving in that way, like you mean to tell me this man is going to have that much power, the, the same power he had before, plus more now. Because yep. more people are actually going to follow and listen to him, which is incredible because 
we're in a time where I see more and more Malcolm quotes and in, in videos and on Instagram <laughs> all day long or, you know, all over social media. Like I've, I'm, you know, people are tagging me. Like even my mom, my family is like sending me these uh, uh, Minister Farrakhan speeches from, from, you know, two, three years ago or, you know, four or five years ago. And I'm like, you know what? I've already seen these speeches. Like I, I keep up with that stuff. This is the lifestyle that I'm, li- that I'm living. I'm aware of all of that. Now that everybody's awake, let's pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, these same people, like if Malcolm was here, right? If Malcolm was alive right now, would you, would you listen to his message? Or what, what will it take for you to actually pay attention? Uh, you know, we have Minister Farrakhan right now who's here and, and, and who, who has been telling us that all this stuff is going to take place. And now you're showing me videos from three years ago. Like, nah, that's not how it goes. And so, you know, it's interesting. My mom, matter of fact, my mom sent me something two days ago and I sent her the flyer of the next time uh, Minister Farrakhan is going to be speaking, which is July 4th. I said, well, tune in on the 4th and see, let's see what we got to say this time. <laughs> but let's see it in real time. Let's not wait till years go by for it to actually make sense to us. You know what I mean? Yeah, what a beautiful mind he is, man. Uh, man. Yeah, I... I yeah, I, I remember seeing him as a boy. Um, I've just always been taken back by leaders. You know, I, I get asked all of the time in interviews and shit like that, you know, who's someone that you look up to? And my answer always without hesitation is Fred Hampton. Yeah. Um, I'm from Chicago, one. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, two, I think people don't, if you don't know who Fred, if you're listening, you don't know who Fred Hampton is, uh, get on your Google machine and, and yeah. order yeah. the book, Murder of Fred Hampton. You know, at 20 years old, at 20 years old, the the level of, of dedication and like we're talking about organization, yeah. but to fit with the trend of Malcolm, the reason he was murdered by the Chicago police was not only was he running the breakfast programs and, and, and doing all of the Panther work that Panthers were doing in every city, he, uh, there's this amazing footage that's on YouTube where he kind of has a little Southside Chicago town hall. And yeah. he's got Polish, he's got Irish, you know, there's like four or five different white guys there. Um, and he just has them all at this table. And he's like, you know, what we're looking at is not a black thing or a white thing or a Mexican thing. What we're looking at is classism and economic warfare. Yeah. The idea here is if they can keep us all poor, they're going to keep us out of the way. They can continue yeah. to fulfill their agenda. But he successfully socialized the entire south side of Chicago. So it was like, okay, yeah. well, we don't need any of your shit anymore because we've created our own systems. You know, and this is yeah. something I come back to a lot. You know, I know we're both dads. Um, I think about this often. And my, my manager was just like, all right, bro, take it easy. Someone was like, commented on one of my posts and was like, time for revolution. Like, do you know yeah. how to fish? You know how to hunt? You know how to fight? Oh. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about right now? And everybody, because it sounds good. You know, people romanticize the idea of revolution. You know what I mean? It's like such a cool word. It's like, yo, let's ride. They put a fist up and like, no, like once that curfew hits and you're done at the protest and you go home, like it's not over. It's definitely not over. That's when everything begins. And again, I go back to two, two months ago when we first heard, okay, it's a lockdown. You have to stay inside your home. Uh, because we don't want this virus to spread or whatever the case may be. People were going crazy buying toilet paper. Like, look, <laughs> what, are you, what, what do you know how to do? You don't even know how to wipe your own butt without toilet paper. You know what I mean? Like, 
that's and that's the reality. Like we're talking about people who are who think they're ready for revolution, but they're stocking up on like just silly stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I know. It's it's uh it's funny, but it's not. Yeah, I mean right. that's and that's the thing that no one wants to talk about. And I think, you know, it's it's an interesting thing because you know, where I live, you know, my kids will just never have the experiences that I've had, you know, yeah. and it's hard because I take great pride in that because I've built a life for them where they don't have to. That's beautiful, man. Um, but the other side of it is it's, uh, you know, something that I struggle with is I'm like, man, maybe I'm doing them wrong by making their life this easy. You know, <laughs> maybe because yeah. I can man. explain until I'm blue in the face what right. it's like. I think, I think man, because uh, we, we've all, I mean, the, the, I, I feel like, and then again, this is father to father. The purpose for us to, you know, we've, we've been through these things. We've, we've struggled enough to not want our children to struggle as much, right? Yeah. We, we work so hard so that they don't have to. We work so hard so that they can have a, a more comfortable life. And a few years back, we, have moved, we moved to the north end of town, which is like, oh, well, it's more central. And it's like, okay, it's a little safer on this side of town. They have better schools. And, you know, come to find out, there was breaking break-ins in the neighborhood. My car got stolen, you know. All kinds of stuff started happening. And, and we started realizing that the, the schools that they were going to, it was cool, but, you know, it, was, it wasn't necessarily the best fit. Um, I was like, you know what? The stuff that I was trying to get away from when I moved away from the South Side is, is here, too. It's everywhere. So yep. I moved my family back to the South Side of town, where it's mainly black and brown, so that they can experience that life. You know what I mean? you see what it's like as soon as you walk out of the door. But at the same time, I'm also going to keep you safe. And I'm also going to keep you in, 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 um, in an environment that's better than the environment I grew up in. You know what I mean? But you still feel that energy. And so a lot of times, like, you're a father who brings your family at, around as much as you can. You know what I mean? Like, you spend a lot of time with your family. We're the same way. Like, we used to take a lot of trips and take our kids with us and expose them to the world. So yeah, they, they might not have, have been raised in the projects of, 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 you know, Queens, but they've seen enough of Queens. You know what I mean? Like we go and visit Asia's family in Queens. We go and, and we, when we go to Chicago and visit our friends, like we'll be there for a couple of days and they'll, they'll take part in the after school program and, and the different nonprofits that we, we would go and do workshops in. We let them engage with those kids. You mm. know what I mean? Like, so when we do the work that we do, they can come and be a part of it and, and, and engage with the people that we come into contact with. And that's, that's opened them up and they got to see the world from a different perspective. Like, yeah, I'm born and raised in Colorado Springs, but I've seen enough of the world to understand it from other people's perspective, even, you know? Yeah, man, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah I and, think but, but definitely, you know, you do You're doing the right thing, but you're, you're supposed to raise your children in, in, in a better in a better way that you even came up with you know and i think the key is to definitely keep their eyes open and 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 show them show them the world yeah man it's been a it's been an interesting thing particularly with you know my son he's 16 uh and he's he's kind of you know he's my he's my stepson but i've been with him since he was five years old yeah um and you know he's just he's typical like yeah man that's fucked up 
right on, you know, but, but living his life. Whereas yeah. my, my daughter, man, she's got her computer open every day and she's just, right. you know, it's blowing her mind what she's seeing. She just like, you know, it breaks her little heart, man. If she doesn't, yeah. she doesn't understand why this shit's happening, you know? So I'm trying my best to explain it. And, and one thing I see a lot of people talking about, right, is defund the police and all of these criminal justice, uh, these aspects of criminal justice that need changed. And while I agree with all of that, I think the biggest thing, you know, to come full circle with what we're talking about, man, is we need to see an education overhaul. When I was in high school, the only subject I gave a fuck about was history. It was the yeah. only thing that would engage me. And I'll never you have to know, understand your history. Yeah. And here's the crazy shit, though, man. I remember my high school history book, my U.S. history book had one page on the Black Panthers. And it literally was like two paragraphs that was like, yeah. here's a picture yeah. of Huey and Bobby. They started this on this date here. It doesn't say any of the shit they did. It just says this was a militant black movement based out of the Bay. You know, no yeah. information whatsoever. And then a whole chapter on Dr. King. And same thing, Malcolm got a paragraph. Here's Malcolm. Yeah. He was a radical Muslim. And, 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 it, and, it, and it limits... And then limited to that, to those two or three, you know, those two or three figures and that's it. It's like, man, it's so much more than that. And, and to tell you the truth, like the education, the education that comes from home is always going to be bigger than anything else. So our eldest daughter, who is now 14, when she was 10, I believe it was Black History Month. And she went up to, to she asked her teacher like, oh, so what are we doing for Black History Month? And the teacher was like, ah. you know, she didn't have a point. <laughs> You know what I mean? She really didn't have a plan. That was the reality of it. And so, it, and then they were like, oh, well, we can have a meeting and talk about it. And so she, she, she went ahead and talked to the principal, like, well, I think we should have, you know, more for Black History Month. And so, you know, they went on to, to cover a different, a different figure every day of Black History Month. And that was, that was, that was the first year. Then the, the second year, um, you know, it, it reverted back to, you know, Dr. King and, 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 and she was like, at the time, this was like right before Mandela passed. And she was like, she had just read a book on Nelson Mandela. And she was like, well, I think we should, you know, we should learn more about Nelson Mandela. And the, the principal was so surprised that she was like, I think I'm going to make every student learn about Mandela and do a project on it. And so, you know, the following week we go to the school and all the halls had artwork from every student at the elementary school, which was really incredible. But that's, that's the thing is, 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 is so much more than Malcolm Martin, you know what I mean? It's so yeah. much more than that. And to go even beyond that, it, it's, it, it goes beyond before it, slavery. Yeah. You know, I always tell, you know, Asia and I always have this conversation about, you know, my, my personal, uh, um, experience is is before history you know i come from congo which was colonized by belgium you know I'm, my, my mother's half belgian half congolese and so my experience is not slavery it's colonialism so you, that's another aspect of black history you know what i mean and and, and then you have uh, uh mansa musa you have so much rich history that's a part of black history that's just not covered in any text, you know what I mean? It, 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 any school, any education system. And, you know, that's why a lot of times you have uh, children that end up being homeschooled that go to these private schools that 100%, are, man. you know, these little, these little private schools that are like, 
uh, Afrocentric, you know, like, which are, are, are beautiful, are beautiful. You know, I just wish to have more, more um, funding, you know, more budget and more resources to make that, to make those um, more available. Yeah, man, I think, you know, a huge, a huge blessing that kind of came out of the pandemic is when, you know, it took about two, three weeks for my kids' schools to get their shit in order, to be like, okay, yeah. cool, here's your online setup. Yeah. Well, so after week one, my wife was like, you're home with them all day, teach them. Right, so right. I was like, all right, cool, <laughs> yeah. cool. So, you know, we had, you know, I just didn't learn shit in school that was really helpful to me. Um, right. And, uh, and I always was taken aback by the fact that, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't learn how to do my taxes. I didn't learn how to do a budget, but I, but I, we played dodgeball. Right. And, um, so like I, I did one day with the kids where I had them do, I mean, bro, the list of questions they had to answer about the black Panther party was insane. Both of them was like seven, eight pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we did another one where I essentially gave them a, I gave them a, a pretend business and was like, all right, here's your overhead, here's your employees, here's the percentage of taxes, and yeah. then gave them like a fake job bid and was like, okay, is this job worth it or not? You know? Um, right. And that's the sort of stuff. Like, it's just crazy that that isn't that that isn't uh, paramount in schools. That it's this. And that's the thing. The past two years, uh, Asia and I have been teaching financial literacy in schools. Mm. And we started out in Colorado and, and then we, you know, we've taken it everywhere uh, with this organization called Fund in the Future um, put, put on by uh, Raymond James. And we get different funders to sponsor, to sponsor an e event. And basically we will go into a school, bring our own sound system. We'll, we'll give them a, a, a quick 20 minute concert. And then from there, we go into the presentation and we tell our stories. Asia went to college for four years on a scholarship. And then when she lost the scholarship, um, you know, she essentially came home with, with no degree and but still has a, a student loan that she's paying right now as a, you know, as a, as a mother. Um, and I have my dream of, of being a, a mega superstar and not realizing how the ins and outs of when you go on tour and how much money it takes. You know, mm -hmm. the expenses that it takes when you go on tour, you know, you think, especially when you get a good opportunity or open for somebody big, you're like, yeah, it's on. And you come home, you're like, oh, this is how much we spent and this is how much we made. You know what I mean? And you start to look at your credit cards, the ones that are maxed out. And so we basically tell, tell these students our story, our stories. And then, and then we talk to them about what's the credit, what's the difference between the credit card and the debit card. Because a lot of these kids are about to go to college and have no idea that a credit card is actually not your money. You know, they have no idea uh, what all goes into the student loan that they have, you know, and how much money they're gonna owe back. And, and a lot of times they don't even know what they really wanna be. They're just in school and just keep going to school. And before you know it, you owe all this money and you're back trying to get a, a nine to five, a quick nine to five, you know? And, 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 you know, we talk about predatory lending, which a lot of kids turn 18, still don't have a bank account, but you're going to borrow 500 bucks from some cash, some payday loan spot. And they don't teach that in schools to the point where after we give these presentations, a lot of, a lot of teachers are like, man, I needed this, you know, or, or a lot of, a lot of teachers always tell us like, would you come back and teach these kids' parents the same thing? You know what I mean? So many young parents still have no idea. They're still trying to figure it out. And I think financial literacy is something that, you know, people really need to get together, especially now, especially now that a lot of artists are even talking about it, you know, 
you're talking about it in songs and you know yeah. even comedians like kevin hart has like a chase sponsorship you know he's yep, yep. <laughs> i seen that he's a he's a fucking cool cat man yeah man i got a lot more respect for him now after yeah. I, you know i watched his documentary i watched some of, you know some of the interviews he gave recently and i'm like okay i get it like a lot more people are starting to starting to wake up man it's not it's not just uh, it's not just the protest a lot of people are just waking up in general and realizing like okay entertainment is cool but then what Yep. You know, yeah, and like I think, you, said, like, you know, one thing that I, I see a lot, man, because I'm at, I'm at the MMA gym all the time yeah. is it's like, you know, granted my window to make music is a lot bigger than someone's window to fight. Yeah. But I sure. still have, I still have that mind frame all the time of like, okay, man, I only get X amount of days of sunshine. So I gotta, I gotta harvest while it's good, you know? Yeah. And, you know, one thing financially, the, the joke that I always make my wife to make to my wife you know my i got an 800 credit score man and it's all yeah. from satsung and how yeah. i've run the business i've never borrowed more than i could pay back you know i i i i grew up selling drugs so my yeah. idea i just never wanted to owe anyone money because that's a problem yeah. you know yeah. so it's like whether that be a person or a bank i just don't want to owe anyone um so yeah. i've just always run the business that way where even like you're talking about taking opportunities to go on tour it was like you know i knew i was going to break even before I even got in the van but it's yeah. like okay here's yeah. how I'm gonna structure this and do this and it's and it's amazing how many artists like you're saying man you know they get in this on this ride and you know there's five dudes yeah, in the know. band and a sound guy and an engineer you know they got eight people on the road and I'm like what the fuck are you doing man there's no yeah, way you can afford this yeah. yeah they've seen other people do it so they want to do it that same way I'm like bro that's not how it works you gotta you gotta you know, put things in order, man. Don't don't bite off more than you can chew. Yeah, and people don't. Working. People don't. Uh, it's it's wild how many people I don't see do that. People all the time are like, you know, how how come you don't have a sound guy yet? I'm like, yeah, because well, I, I like making the amount of money I make right now. I'll get a sound guy when I know I can. When I know it's not a thing, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, Why? So something I want to talk about with you that that uh, that hit a chord with me the other day. I think there's this conversation around um, privilege that has become overcomplicated. And, and, and while yeah. I got you, I want to get your take on it. But I want to say the the thing that I always come back to when we talk about white privilege is I ooh I got to try not to choke up because I do every time I say it. Yeah, man. You talk about having to have that the talk with your kids. And I, I've been severely physically abused growing up. I've been homeless. I've been, you know, you fucking name a struggle you could have as a human being on this planet, you know, and I've, I've had some taste of it, but never ever in my entire life will I have to sit my son down or my daughter down and have the talk. So why don't you talk about the talk, um, kind of your takes on privilege. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is I remember before before having any children, I remember listening to a Talib Kweli song where he talks about how his son loves the police and, you know, he plays with his cars and this and that. And he was like, but one day I'm going to have to break down to him. As you grow up and you gain a little size on you, you're going to become a threat to said 
police officer. And again, it depends on where you live. You know, I know a lot of people who say, oh, you know, I never met that, that kind of thing never happened to me or whatever the case may be. I personally, you know, growing up, I didn't have, I didn't, you know, I grew up in a single mother home. Um, you know, my, my mother had a, a boyfriend that was really abusive to her. And I remember calling, you know, my aunt calling the police, police never showed up, but you know, I seen the police on my block and you know, I'm 12 years old holding a stick and it became a big deal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yo, what are you doing with this and that? I remember being 12 years old with my friends going down to the, to the grocery store and us being handcuffed because somebody uh, stole something. All of a sudden, you know, we're a group of young black men, uh, young black boys at the time, you know, and before you know, we're handcuffed and, and, and this and that. So I knew that the day was going to come to have to talk with our children. I just never knew it was going to come that er this early. You know what I mean? My son is nine years old, but this is a talk we've had a year ago of it. Mm. You know what I mean? Eight years old. Why? Because they're aware. Again, like our daughter, who's 14, said with all, everything that's going on, she just took Instagram off of her phone. She's like, I can't take it. It's too much for me. And to the point, you know, even, even her friend, again, talking about privilege, now everybody is like, you know, the, the memo is like, check, check on your black friends or reach out to them. Like, the kids are doing that too. You know what I mean? So, so her, her classmates are like, hey, you know, Black Lives Matter. You know, I hope you're doing good. <laughs> you know, sending love to your family. But at the same time, I feel like for some of us, it's almost like a trigger. It's like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, some, pe some, people, some people don't want to hear it at this point because it's too much. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of emotion to process. But anyway, so back, back to the talk. It's like, it's, it's such a delicate talk because it's like, you know what, son? We're, we're spreading love no matter what. You know what I mean? Even, even last night when I was telling my daughter that I was telling you uh, with the Instagram, I was telling her about this, this podcast we were going to do. And so I played some of your songs for her. And she was like, wow. She, and she started reading some of the comments on the YouTube clip. And she was like, the message that he has, I can see that why people, you know, because it, it was like people saying like, if you haven't heard this today, I love you. You know what I mean? She was like, this is such a powerful message. And I see why it's making people feel the way they feel. You know what I mean? And so that's the same type of message we spread in our home and we spread in, in, in when, we, when we engage with people. It's, you know what? This this may happen one day, but it doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change how you behave. You know what I mean? You, you are who you are and just, just stand up for love. You know what I mean? And, and, and it, it gets tricky because they see the reality of, of what's out there. They see the reality of, um, of, of what, what, what happens. You know what I mean? And, and it's just that fine line, man. Some, some days I'm like, some days we try not to even talk about it. Yeah. You know, um, just because it's so, it's so overwhelming. And I think even now that's, that's, that's the place that we're in. It's like, man, there's so much happening and there's so much, it's, it, 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 it gets tricky, man, being in this position because it's like a lot of people are looking to us for answers. Mm -hmm. answers that we may not even have like a lot of people it's it's like man it's like boom I, I I'm, I'm on the phone because this person oh listen i was thinking about this and this again like the people that are new new to the conversation just like explaining it boom and then bro 
I swear to you, by the time I hang up the phone, it's another call with the same exact thing. Like, yo, what can we do? You know what I mean? Like, and I think, and I think even like right now that uh, that's where Asia is. It's just like drained. Like we're just mm. exhausted and tired. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and we're carrying it well, but I think at the same time, it's weighing on us on top, again, on top of the, what the world is going through with the virus. And, and, and what I mean by that is we may not be affected, but we know relatives who passed away. You know what I mean? Like when we call, cause every, every summer, man, we take our kids to New York so they can spend time with Asia's grandmother who's in her nineties. And because that's important for our children to still have great grand, a great grandmother who's alive. Yeah. So like, you know what? Spend as much time as you can with her. Like whether it be, you know, uh, Christmas break, summer break, and and document what she tells you, the story she tells you. Write them in in your journal. You know, record them, record her voice. You know what I mean? We, you can do it on your phone now. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not that hard to do. And so now, not being able to visit her like that, and calling her, and she says, you know, she told us, you know, um, your aunt and uncle across the street, they passed away from coronavirus two weeks ago. And she's like, I'm so afraid to leave the house. And, you know, and, and she's, she's emotional when we talk to her because she doesn't know if we're ever going to see her again. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So dealing with that already and, and dealing with, you know, uh, our, our parents, you know, who, who they deal with health issues, you know what I mean? And, and, and just navigating that and navigating what they say you can and can't do. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Go here. Don't go there. Oh, now everything's open. Like, Oh, you know, you're as a musician, everything is canceled for the next year or you don't know when things are going to dealing with so much uncertainty. And then on top of that, you have to constantly talk about the brutality of these police officers and Black Lives Matter. And like, yo, first of all, like this is not a new thing. It's something that has been going on. And it's something that we have been talking to our families about and talking to our children about. But I think at this point, it's just like pushing it overboard, you know what I mean? Pushing it over the ledge. And, and, and we've been trying to navigate navigate the, the two. Like, okay, cool. We're still going to engage in, 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 in as much as we can. But at some point, I feel like we still have to take a break and reset and reevaluate where we are and where we stand. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to talk. We're going to lose our minds. You know what I mean? Yeah, We're not going to be able to actually be present. We're not going to be able to be present and, and actually speak on these topics. And that's why even yesterday I checked in. I checked in with my buddy from Rebel Diaz, and they felt the same way. They were like, you know what? I can't even be out like that for so many reasons. You know, one, you know, having a family. Two, uh, pandemic. There's so many different things. That's like, okay, let me reevaluate. And then we see some of our young homies who are out there who are getting arrested, who are getting mm. beaten up. It's a part of it. You know, it's a part of protest. Like the minute you go into a protest, you know what you're signing up for. It may get violent. It may get this. It may get that. We've seen it. It happened to Dr. Yeah. King. And these He's cops, these cops yeah, giving no fucks right now. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, like, you know, they used to sick, sick dogs on us. You know what I mean? The water holes, the whole thing. Like, we've seen it happen time and time again. Now it's rubber bullets. Now it's tear gas. And they don't care if a woman is pregnant. They don't care if it's a young person. They don't care if you got goggles on. Like, you get banged up in the head, the whole thing. And so it's a part of it. And, you know, we just got to evaluate where do we fit in 
and and also because a lot of times people are like, what do I do? Do I donate? Do I, um, you know, say a prayer? Do I speak out? You do you do what feels right to you, but the number one thing you have to do is 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 inform yourself. You know, read as much as you can. Don't just don't just spend you know a quick twenty minute and then you're like, yo, I got it all figured out. Let's go. No, nobody got it figured out. Even the people who the people who are leading these protests, by the time they get home, they have to just take a breather and say, okay, now what what did I learn from this particular day? Mm-hmm. What have I learned today from from what happened out there? What did I learn today from from the new developments of everything? You know what I mean? And, and, and it's tricky, man. Yeah, it's going to be wild to see how this shakes out. Because again, I mean, all of the protests and everything in the 60s led to well, a civil rights bill being passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what what the next phase is. You know, it, it was funny, like I said to you when we talked last week, you know, man, I felt this call <laughs> to just reach out to to all my black friends, especially being a musician. I just have so many people, so many black men that are really close to me, you know? Yeah. And and my yeah. my my first thing was like not questions, not none of that was just like, hey man, love you. Yeah. Because my because my thought was just like, I'd be wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Fuck. Um, and, but at and, the same time, you already know where you stand, and and I already know where you stand because we will have these conversations, whether this was going on or not. Mm-hmm. We were having these conversations as musicians and as artists, and as you know, when we met, we met at a rise last summer, and I felt the energy right away. You told me a little bit about where you came from and what you've been through. It's it's a given. It's a, it's a no brainer. It's like okay, yeah, we stand on this. We stand on the same ground. Yeah, dude, something something that Asia said um, during that panel, I loved so much when she got up there and just started going off, man. She just she's so fucking smart in the way that she talks. Um, but she was talking about cultural representation. She said, you know, we there's a lot of weight on like, okay, well, you look like this or come from here, so you can't speak on that. Where it's like, yeah rather than an emphasis on do we have the same values right do we have the same foundation of knowledge then yeah okay go ahead and speak because you know because i don't necessarily feel uh you know if if i know someone has the knowledge in the background and i feel culturally represented then i don't feel a need to speak up i'm like okay cool yeah you can take the floor man absolutely and that again i take that same approach that's why a lot of times I try, you know, I play the background or, I, you know, I kind of lay low when I come into certain environments because I know so many of my friends that are way smarter than I am. Mm. I know so many of my friends that are well-versed in certain topics that I'm like, you know what? Like some people, oh, give the mic to Samir because he's in the reminders and he's a musician and he's a dope MC. Cool. You've seen me do that. You know me for that. Now, let me use my platform to actually put somebody in front of you who may be able to articulate something better than I can. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and that's something that's very important. And, 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 and you have to make that happen. You, you have to let that happen. Like, listen, if this person, listen, like, let me, there, there's somebody here who has same values as I do. And I know if I put a, a microphone in, in his face, he's going to be able to say something, you know, on, on the killer mic level mm-hmm. where 
you know, I may not be from Atlanta, from Atlanta, but we feel the same exact way. And, yep. he, and he's saying it the same, you know, in a way that I couldn't have, I couldn't have said it like that. You know what God, I mean? He's so eloquent. Man, Asia is, is that eloquent. I can't, I can't wait till you have her on here because oh, I can't wait. Having, having the, 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 you know, the love for history as well. Um, she's really going to be able to uh, break some things down. And yeah, um, I love that, man. I, you said something there that that's really important. The ability to say, this person knows more than me. I'm going to let them speak. I don't yeah. know enough to have an opinion on this. Yeah. Dude, if, if we could get that, if we could get every American and the mother, fuck that, every citizen of earth to feel comfortable yeah. saying, I don't yeah. know enough about this to have an opinion. So I'm going to yeah. show up. Yeah. And, 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 and that goes, man, that goes for history. That goes for anything, man. And, you know, and again, especially now, like, women let's let let's let women speak you know what i mean let's let the elders speak let's let the children speak the children may be able to tell us about the experience that they go through um man one of the first times we we've ever performed and spoke at an anti-bullying assembly because in colorado springs four years ago the suicide rate in these middle school and high schools was just through the roof and it's heartbreaking and so the first time we went there, we spoke to the kids and we performed. And then our daughter, who was in elementary at the time, was like, oh, can I say something? Absolutely. She was like, while we were here, I wrote a poem. Mm. She, she said the poem and the kids went crazy. Why? Because she was speaking from her experience. She was speaking from, okay, when I'm in class or when I go to school with my hair this way or when I'm a new student and this and that, the same emotion I feel, I'm expressing that. And you know what? Yeah, so the, the school, the principal might have brought the reminders into performing to speak, but we also have a child here who can speak that same language, that same language that's going to actually hit something with them. You know what I mean? And so it's like, yeah, man, you, don't be afraid to give the microphone to somebody else. Yeah, it's, I, I just had an experience with a, a, a buddy of mine uh, that I train with. And, you know, he's Montana born and bred white boy, you know? Yeah. And we're having these back and this kind of back and forth. And, and the version of the story that he was kind of getting was that he was supposed to be ashamed that he was white. And, you know, I just kind of began breaking down like, man, I don't know. I've been around a lot of black people for many, many years, and I've never yeah. heard a black person say anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know where you heard that, but that would be inaccurate. And then the, the conversation kind of went from there. And it, what was interesting to me was he wasn't, he, 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 did, he wasn't angry. You know, he wasn't being belligerent with me. He was, he was yeah. actually just like, yo, man, okay, speak to this then. You know, help me, un, help me understand. And at the end of the conversation, he goes, you know, man, I didn't actually see a black man until I was 17 years old. So I guess I probably don't have a very good concept of racism. And I was like, oh, thank you, dude. Yeah, thank yeah. you for saying that. No, you don't. You don't. Just like I have no sort of concept whatsoever to speak on what it's like to be a teenage girl because I've never fucking been one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Straight up. Straight up. And I just, I want to see more of that. That's real. And it's funny because, you know, that's something that I didn't even really, you know, I didn't think about, you know, growing up. I went to, you know, I went, I went, I was, I was in the Congo. My first memories of life are from, from being in the Congo. Then I moved 
back with my mom. So I was in Belgium in, in, in a Belgian school, but my na- the neighborhood I lived in wasn't, uh, it was like, you know, uh, it was a project, you know? So it was immigrant families from West, from all over Africa, from, from uh, the Middle East. So, so it was a melting pot of people from all over the world. And, but, you know, I have my group of friends, a bunch of African families, and that's all I knew. You know, that's all the girl, all the girls I ever dated. It's it's not it's not like something that was in my subconscious. It's not like, hey, I only date black. No, it's just like these are the girls that are around me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't until when I got older, I moved to Colorado, and and I would make empowering music. You know what I mean? That would have like black is beautiful themes. And then naturally, the more the more I'm into the underground hip hop world, the more I have white fans, a lot of white fans. And I remember one time this girl was like, oh, man, first time I heard your music, I thought you were a racist. And I was like, what you, how does that you know, come about? But I guess it's from the message of the empower the, the, the empowerment and the black this and black that. But it's like it doesn't mean that it's a racist thing. It's just what I'm used to seeing and what I'm in the reality that I'm speaking of. I'm speaking of my reality and the things that I see and the things that I, that I think that I feel can be better. You know what I mean? And that, that, so that was, that's what I was speaking on. And, and it's interesting that some people just like your friend, it's like, Oh man, I should be ashamed of being white. No, it's not like that. This is a misunderstanding. You know what I mean? You should be aware that your experience ain't the only experience. Straight up. And that's, that's, that's life. You know what I mean? There's so much more to life. Just like, you know, even for me, at the, that's, it was the first time that I realized, oh man, like a lot of white kids support hip hop. You know what I mean? And then as we grow, even to this day, like a lot. A I want to, I want to ask you about that, man. So yeah, yeah. I, you know, man, I always oh, skateboarding was really how I found hip hop. Um, yeah. You know, skateboarding was how I found everything. It was how I found punk rock. It was how I found hip hop. And then those two worlds smashing together was how I found Fronty. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, part of the shit for me was the reason that I felt called to read Revolutionary Suicide, uh, Malcolm X, Soul on Ice, Radical Dharma, all these books was because of hip hop. And and I know you you've toured with and have relationships with, with some of my favorite MCs of all time, you know, most deaf to or Yasin yeah. um, and, and yeah, yeah. to live Kuali and um, yeah. you know, that music blew me away. I just, here, here's something that I feel like was missing in American culture that, that the hip hop, the music that you make, that Yasin makes that to live uh, the roots, yeah. there is an, there is this outside image of low-income communities of ignorance. Yeah. You know? And I always felt that. I always felt that that we were looked at like we were like we were fucking stupid, you know, like we were less than. And this idea of, you know, kind of this like almost goodwill hunting approach of like, man, fuck your school. I got a library card. You know, right. that was something I always really took from Talib was like. Yeah. It was cool to be smart. So I became on yeah. this, I, I, I became obsessed with this quest because I wanted to chop it. I wanted to be able to chop it up with people like you and be like, oh yeah, no, I read that same shit. Oh no, I read that yeah. same shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And those guys in particular, because, you know, um, you know, those guys are dope MCs and, and they're not afraid to say, you know what, man, this is what we do. Like we, we, 
the reason we're able to be such dope MCs is because we're well-read and we're, you know what I mean? Because we're well-learned and we bought a bookstore because we knew that's what, that's what we needed to do in order to keep this alive. You know what I mean? In, in order to, otherwise, you know, so many businesses go, go, go um, bankrupt. So many businesses, you know, I see it happening even, even around here. I'm like, yo, we have to support these, these black businesses before they, they go down. And then what? You know, we don't maintain the history. We don't maintain um, control of this, these things. But um, same thing, man. I think uh, 1998, when, when the Black Star album came out and the Roots, everything the Roots put out, you know, uh, Common, all those guys, it changed my life because it's how I felt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you want more. You want more than just, you know, some, some, some wild rap. You want, you want, you still want that, that edge. You still want that energy but with more knowledge to it. Yeah, it was interesting, man. Common, you know, being from Chicago, Common is my favorite of all time. Um, Mainly because I felt like, you know, I just was so deep into his catalog that I kind of feel like I, I went through his journey with him, you know, from Can I Borrow a Dollar, where he was like fully just on the hip hop shit to like, you know, when he was hanging out with the Soul Quarians, like like when, like Water for Chocolate. When that came that out, you could tell that was when he he started really diving into the books, man. His like yeah. whole his whole shit was changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and, just um, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was gonna. Uh, uh, I, was, I just had because his pop, his pops, his pops, um, Lonnie Lynn, the one that's always yep. doing the poetry in the in the. He he lived in Denver. Yeah, he had a record. He had a record store in Denver, so I used to see him all the time. And matter of fact, like. Cause he passed away uh, a couple years ago, but right before that, Common Common had a show at Red Rocks with uh, it was Common and Atmosphere, and um, I forgot something happened. We were side stage, and somebody threw something on the stage to hit Common, and Pops was like, as soon as he saw who the guy was, he jumped into the crowd. He was like, "Yo, you don't hurt my son," you know what I mean? And the security was like, "No, we got him." He's like, "You don't hurt my son. I'll take care of this," you know. And and I I just remember how how G that was. I was like, man, this guy's like he don't care that security. He's like, I'll take care. I'll, I'll protect my son. You know what I mean? Pops was a really good dude, man. He always showed love to everybody, and uh, especially in the Denver and on the Denver scene. If you knew you were a hip hop artist, man, he showed love. He put your CD on consignment at his little record store, man. And it's just a beautiful person. Yeah, man, I love that. You know, I'm not. I don't. I don't have a relationship like that with with my dad. And I and I owe. I really envied that through all their shit in their in their relationships that they you know that they built what they had you know and that his dad got to be a part of his his musical journey you know his book um one day it all makes sense yeah 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 i loved and then uh this last summer when his uh let love win came out i listened to that man and it was for me and as, as an adult you know the way him kind of siphoning through his childhood and kind of having this realization as a full grown man of like, man, I still carry all this trauma and all this yeah. fucked up shit with me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and, and the book ultimately led me to being like, okay, well, if common goes to therapy, then I'm going to therapy, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, like. That's a theme now, man, that I'm, I'm so excited that people are finally opening up to the concept of therapy to the concept of actually opening up to the trauma that you've had, that you've been holding on to. 
You know what I mean? Um, it's, I started a podcast a couple of years ago and I, and I kind of let it fall by the wayside because I got so, you know, I'm juggling so many things. But it's called Father's Presence. And mm. it's just talking, conversing with different, different fathers about their journey, um, becoming young men and also their journey as fathers and just trying to navigate this whole thing. You know, so we'll have to do, you know, an episode. Oh, would love that. Talk about that. But um, also, Common's first book, um, the gentleman who helped him write it, the one day it all makes sense was uh, Professor Adam Bradley. And um, he's a good friend of mine. He teaches at the at CU Boulder. No uh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, like we got that connection just, you know, talking about how they came about uh, writing the book and stuff. It's dope, man. It's, I feel like it's just a small, we live in such a small world and an even smaller um, musical world. You know what I mean? That we're all con- interconnected and we all have um, so many things in common. That, like I said, that's why when we first connected, man, I already knew that it was, it was, it was bigger than just a, a panel. You know what I mean? It was yep. bigger than two musicians about to perform at the same festival. It's like, nah, we got so much more in common. And as we grow in our, in our uh, friendship, you know, learning more and more every day it's like oh man you read that book too oh man you take your son to do that too like i do the same thing i, I did that with my son when he was that age too you know like it's like Dude, and that's it man that's like the magic that's what i that human connection man this thing that i keep saying i was texting back and forth with franti the other day and he said you know the goal because i kind of hit him up like yo man i you know i remember when you dropped yell fire it's just crazy yeah. that he's he's a friend of mine because I you know man he really was I was like here's my hip hop lane here's my punk rock lane I live in both of these worlds and I remember that when he the first time I heard his shit I was just like whoa you brought them both yeah. together and do it yeah yeah and it just so original and, and so different and you know he he said the other day to me he said you know our goal should be to remind people that we are 99.8% alike and that 0.2% difference is what makes life beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and that's my goal with with the podcast and and with music and and with everything more man. It used to be I wanted to be delivering the news and and, and you know speaking on all this shit that was wrong and and the more you know, the older, and maybe it's just part of becoming a man and, and growing up, yeah. but the, yeah. the, more, the older I get, man, the more I just want to make people connect and realize how similar they are. And yeah. I, and I see the anger in that dude with the Trump flag on his truck, flipping everyone off, man. And my, my intention wasn't when I saw him immediately, my heart hurt. I wasn't like, fuck you, man. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. dog, what is happening? Different. It's, and I think it's a different energy, and I, and that and that's exactly what I t- what with with my pod- podcast in particular. I seen that in men, young men like yourself. Like I know your energy ten years ago, fifteen years ago wasn't the same energy as now. You know, especially punk rock and skater and all that. Like we were all once like early twenties, just fired up. You know what I mean? Like we reacted differently to to different situations, and you know even somebody like. Dead Prez, like Dead Prez was one of my favorite groups around, you yep. know what I mean? But, and, 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 not, and you look at Stick now, who was super fired up, and now he's like, yo, I'm jogging. I'm yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, a part, it's a part of maturing, and, and again, like, and I have these stories, as a matter of fact, I remember uh, 
I met Immortal Technique uh, before he really blew up. So uh, Revolutionary Volume 1 was out. I was in New York visiting a friend. It was my first time in New York. And she was like, yo, let's go to New York Rican Cafe. And then uh, Immortal Technique was there. So we connected, boom, boom, boom. Before you know it, a few months later, he was coming to Boulder for the first time. He's like, yo, I never been out here, nigga. Let's wild out, whatever. So we go, he performing. And afterwards, this is Immortal Technique at like his, you know, super fired up and somebody asked he was being interviewed afterwards and somebody asked him like um, where do you see yourself in like 20 years from now and he was like i don't know maybe i'll have some children or maybe i'll oh he said he said something about doing something for his grandchildren and it's like something that happens in a man when they talk about their children and their children's children you know what i mean like it changes your mindset man like you, you you go to a different place you know what i mean you're you're responsible now you know you're you're maturing like you're you know what i mean you're forced to mature and think a different way yeah you start for me i start thinking you know i used to have you know 10 years ago i had this i'm gonna you know i'm gonna homeschool my kids and they're yeah. gonna know this this and this and yeah, yeah you know and then it's funny man you then you hold that baby and you go man I would give my life for you to be happy and safe rather yeah. than, than militant and intelligent. Just right. be happy. <laughs> you know, understand, have understanding. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's a big thing for me. It's like same, same thing that I want for my children the same thing that I want for people in the world. It's like I want people to have understanding when you walk out of that door or when you watch something, like have an understanding of what's going on. You know what I mean? Don't just take it at face value. You know, like have understanding of other people. Yeah, I, th you know, I think that's going to be my new shit because I've been, I've been trying to, you know, like I was saying, man, uh, you know, with family and, and friends and shit that are new to the talk, um, not not the talk, um, but yeah, yeah. but new new to the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of I just want I'm just going to start giving them books and just being yeah. like, oh, cool, you're you're with it now. Okay, cool, then yeah. you're ready. Read this. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, and I think, you know, to me, the most important, the most important part is to keep that same energy. It's like, you know what we hear now, let's not drop the ball. Let's not go back to what, what it was before. Now it's your duty and your responsibility to find out even more. Like keep, now that the door's open, just go in and just dive in. You know, after you've done one book, pick up another book. Yeah, don't, don't, you can't look away now. You've acknowledged, I've seen the sign in your front yard. I know you've seen it. <laughs> that's it, that's it, man. It's, it's really important, man. And funny, you know, even the concept of, you know, these things that we've been talking about in music, um, our friends the other day was like, yo, our streams have been going up crazy. Why? Because now, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Same, dude. Oh, man, I feel, I feel guilty. But yeah, yeah, I you know I made a post the other day, you know I I, I made this album called Culture, mm -hmm. and uh, you should when we when we hop on man if you got time tonight listen to Will Stand it's the very first track uh, of the album Culture. Um, yeah, you know I went into making like okay cool we're gonna make another record, you know and at the time it it was 2016 it was right after Trump got elected. Yeah it was when I decided I was going to make another record and, 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 um, you know, man, I just started thinking that I needed to make something. So when my kids went, you know, what, when the shit was popping off, 
you know, what was your cultural goal? What was your cultural contribution to the conversation? I want to be like, well, yeah. this, it you know, is, yeah. I, I, I put my heart, soul, money, everything I had into creating this for the world. And, um, yeah. and it's funny, man, it's our least listened to record. You know, I spent, man. I spent, I spent almost 40 K of my own money. I said no to two labels. All your finance, all your time and energy. Yep. And I was like, I was like, okay, well, people are going to hear, you know, I was like, well, because of the election, I'm going to put these first four songs, the super, you know, potent shit. I'm going to put those four songs together in the first chunk of the record. So people are like, okay, cool. He's about it. And what kind of happened is they're like, oh, well, I'm just going to go back and listen to the shit about love. Yeah. You know, they're like, like they didn't want it. And so I just reshared that shit last week and was like, look, yeah. uh, if you didn't get it, then try run, again. Yeah. Try again. Run that yeah. shit back now. Just like you yeah. resharing that freestyle. Yeah. It was, yeah. It's like, yo, let me run this back one time. And it's like, Oh, now. Oh, I yeah. Now I yeah. see. Yeah. 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 Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about music, man. And I'll cut you loose. Yeah. It, and, but real quick, it, it, it just goes to show you, man, that same thing you just shared. That's what Bob Marley did, man. That's what that's what all these people did. Like at the time, nobody was rocking with it like that. You know what I mean? But now it's like Bob Marley, one of the biggest musicians in the world. T-shirts and all that, you know, people that weren't even alive when he was around and, and the music resonates, but did it resonate at the time? You know what I mean? Did did he know that he was so beloved by the world like that? You know what I mean? That's the that's the tough part, man. When things are gonna hit when in due time or when it makes sense to whoever you know yeah it's it's interesting man i think you know bob yeah is a perfect example of that because his you know his claim to fame was eric clapton covering i shot the sheriff and then his single could you be loved and one love those were his hits while he was alive and when i think of bob i think of real situation i think of war you know you know Running and looting, like man, it goes on like for days. The catalog is insane. Yup, yeah, he's the man. All right. Yeah. So, so we've established that we're both huge hip hop fans. So I have to yeah. ask you, top five, dead or alive for you. I know it's hard. Five, dead or alive? It's it's funny. My son just asked me that yesterday. I said three, then I was like, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> So, Black Thought, undeniably. If somebody doesn't have Black Thought on their top five, they're insane. Yep. Rock him. We're two for five right now. You and I have two for five right now. Okay. Uh, Yasin Bey, a.k.a. Mos Def. Three for five. Man, the last two are tough, bro. They're tough because there are so many. Um, I'm going to go with. Q and Pac. Respect. I want to hear yours. Okay, so we had your first three are on there. Uh, Rakim, Mos. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I would say, just personally for me, I don't put Pac on the list. He made. He's number six. Okay. But for me, <laughs> Man, that's good. That's good yeah, to live, yeah. uh, just because he has such an impact on my life, man. And, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And common, 
Um, I see. I can see why. I can see where where that top five comes from. You know, and and again, I think that's why a lot of time people people expect to have the same top five. It's impossible. Why? Because the same th- the first three we we had the uh, the same ones. It's because those guys are undeniable, man. Those guys are machines. You know what I mean? And but the the last two is the impact they had on your life. Pac's impact on my life. You know. I was rocking the pot before I could speak English because I could I could relate to the emotions <laughs> that he that he you know what I mean that he was giving in those songs and Cube I've been listening to Cube all week from you know uh, Wicked if you go back and listen to Wicked it's a wild song and it just takes me back to that energy you know what I mean that's and, that's interesting that Cube is on your top five I love that yeah man Cube is a, is a, he's a different beast man like. People, people forget. I think people forget. Well, he did those. He did those like family movies, and I'm always like, "Do you all remember West Side Connection? That motherfucker was wrong, dude." And it's, yeah, yeah, y'all, man, Cube is is he's up there in my book. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's interesting. I I did this uh, this lecture series uh, at a at a high school out here, and this kid said, "You know, what was the most meaningful song to you?" growing up and I without hesitation said me against the world mm. and um uh, especially that the 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 second verse that kid from the outlaws you know won't somebody help somebody me because yeah. I'm by myself see you know like uh it's it's crazy because I still listen to that and I and it just brings me back yep. to adolescence of like that's how I felt you know that was yep. really and and um and I've been just last year you know, it was when I was was uh, reading that common book. I was like cleansing my diet, my my musical diet of like, man, maybe getting uh, maybe getting smoked out and listening to me against the world isn't a good idea anymore. <laughs> you know, and listening to you know Illmatic, you know, yeah. there's some songs on there that you know Nas's for Nas's number seven, but yeah, like. Yeah. But I mean, just some of that shit, man, I just have, you know, my trauma brain takes over and I, and I can really start thinking like, nah, it's yeah. me, dude. It isn't this family. It's none of this shit. Everybody, you know, yeah. that's my default setting is that I'm by myself, you know, and I know that not to be true. Yeah. 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 So what was the first record you heard that made you know you wanted to be an MC? Eric being rock campaign fool. I can still say, you know, I could I could rap that whole joint right now. And to me, that's what's incredible is thinking how old he was when he wrote that. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, come on, man. Like, Rakim was a genius. Which, you know, I think that era is just different because even when you look at what, what Nas wrote when he was 15, like, you know, uh, 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 Live at the Barbecue, when you listen to his verse, like, Streets Disciple... It's incredible with these guys. I think New York just just breeds like incredible MCs. Joey Badass, man, that's another dude that made a record that was like, you know, that dude risked his whole, he was on the like, I'm about to be the next Jay-Z pop star rise. And then he dropped All-American Badass. Yep. Risked his life to make that record. Our daughter, um, our second daughter, who's 12, um, she wanted to, you know, she wanted to learn how to DJ. So uh, I put her in Denver DJ school. And uh, so now every Sunday she does like a little live stream. And today I put it on Facebook and, and I was like, yo, check out this Joey Badass album. And she picked a couple songs from there and played them today. And I was like, yo, man, this album is so incredible. 
the production, the the thing I love about that record is it goes in waves. It takes you up to this like full one hundred percent aggression, and then brings you back down. And like we're gonna be all right. Risks. He even took risks on the album, singing more. You know what I mean? Going out of his comfort zone, and you know sometimes that's what it takes. But yeah, man. Yeah, I met him real briefly. It was funny, man. We were in Brooklyn, getting ready to start a tour, and and my drummer. plays this reggae residency at this like fancy spot in Williamsburg at the top of this hotel. Nice. But I, I left the spot to go get a falafel and I'm like standing in line to get food. And I look across the street and homies posted up and someone's take, yeah. you know, like a pro photographer taking pictures. And yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. is that fucking Joey Badass? Yeah. 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 And, and I, yeah. I went over just with that. Just yo man. Yeah, your shit's changing the world, man. And he, and he dabbed me up and was real cool and chopped it up for a second. Um, and I thought that was real cool. He like paused the photographer so we could shoot the shit for a second, and then yeah, you know, yeah, we but, we met him. Uh, we performed that Soundset. Uh, mm. We performed at Soundset 2013, and that was Joey Badass's first festival. And I remember, like, I was like, "Yo, you that you know?" Because he had just had that MTV show, or whatever you know, Survival of the Fittest. Uh, uh, and all that. And so I was like, yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with what you do. He's like, yeah, that's what's up. He's like, man, yo, I'm kind of hella nervous about to get on the stage. I mean, you talking about sound set, it was like 10,000 people, you know yep. what I mean? And um, then fast forward uh, the following year, he was opening for Wiz Khalifa on a tour and they came through Denver. So we went to check him out. He was like, yo, what y'all doing out here? We're like, yo, we live here. And then uh, and he was like, yo, that's what's up. And just watching the growth from yo, this is my first festival to now I'm on tour with Wiz Khalifa and just killing it. You know what I mean? And it's incredible. Yeah, he's a presence. Yeah. Yeah, his, that 1999 album, man, was like, just, I just love that jazz rap shit, man. Yeah, and then, and then, you know, even fast forward, just just last year, we went to see him and uh, Flatbush Zombies, that whole Beast Coast thing they just did, sold out Red Rocks. They sold that shit out? man it was insane like and uh uh because we were you know we were about to put out a record so we were going to talk to this agent and you know what i mean it was one of those type of nights and uh but just watching them celebrate you know what i mean like catching up with them and they were like yo this is incredible and forgetting also forgetting that it's not every day you're at red rocks you know what i mean so like after after Red Rocks, they're going back to New York. You know what I mean? Like, and and I remember thinking about that, like watching on their social media. Like a week later, they were like, "Nigga, we killed Red Rocks last week." You know, they were still <laughs> talking about it because it's that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, that was uh, that was one uh, one band aid that really hurt this summer. Was you know, my whole life has been, you know, Red Rocks means you made it. And we were supposed to play with Francie this summer yesterday. Um, yeah. And, you know, my, so what's crazy, man, me and my manager, who's, who's, who's my best friend, um, you know, we sat down at the end of last year and said, okay, what's our 2020 goal? Yeah. And it was Red Rocks, Europe tour, yeah. uh, and sell out the Bluebird. And, and by the end of February, we had done all of them. And we were like, 2020, motherfucker, we're in here. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, there was this kind of magic release of, you know, like we were, t- we were messaging back and forth yesterday of just, it's like, yeah. man, if I dwell on it too much, it'll make me crazy because not yeah. just, not just the red rocks, not just the exposure and, and all of the growth that would have happened, but it's just the, like, we was just on fire, man. And it's like, 
so much money, so much growth. It's just like, we just had a year taken from us. It's like, we would have done all that shit this summer. And then next summer would have been that much yeah. more, you know? It's, it gets like that, man. It's the worst. It's the worst. And, and we did Red Rocks um, two summers ago with Black Star and Nas and Brother Ali and um, Royce the Five Nine. Man. Yeah, I remember. I remember seeing y'all on that, dude. Brother Ali is another one that's undeniable. Undeniable, yeah. one of the greatest, yeah. man. Yep, yeah. we went on tour with him in 2012. No shit. That was our first national tour. Damn. Yeah, you guys have done shit with Lauren Hill, with Black Star. You been? Yeah, yeah, that one was next level. Yeah. Well, man, I, re I really appreciate your time, homie. Um, and yeah, sure. whenever whenever you want to do uh, uh, an episode on your podcast, get at me, man. We'll do it. I'm home. So. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, you know, one thing I would say, since we were talking about music, uh, on the same topic, because, you know, when people say, yo, what, what, what should I do? To gain understanding, especially of the, time, the times that we're in, how everybody's like revisiting certain albums and certain songs. It's like to gain understanding. It's like listen to some of these artists, you know, like listen to Pac, but beyond California Love. You know what I mm. mean? Listen to Pac beyond Hit Him Up. You know what I mean? Like you said, Me Against the World. A lot of people never even heard that, heard that song. It's like, man, go back and, 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 and dig into that. Go back and dig into Bob Marley's catalog and really listen to what he's been saying because this is nothing new. You know, like uh, even, you know, some of our friends like Rebel Diaz, they, they have a, a, a few songs, they have a few albums. Listen to, um, you know, listen to Sad Thing. Go back and listen to that album you were talking about. Like, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm doing tonight. That's what I'm listening to. It's like, there are songs out there. Listen to Dead Presence, first album. Mm -hmm. Let's get free. You know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and see how it makes you feel right now. And this is their album from 2000. You know what I mean? So I think that's something that's very important for people to do is to go back and revisit some of these songs, go back and revisit some of these movies that came out, like the spook that sat by the door, go back and revisit some of these books and, and do know, the right thing. Do the right thing, bro. Spike Lee's a visionary. Tried to tell him. Spike Lee's a visionary, man. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, dude. Big love. Big love to yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's say it. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on this and we'll stay connected. Yeah, bro. Take care. Um, peace. peace.